great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of rams brothers i'm your host dean and i'm joined as always by my brother and the other fantastic host of this show nick and nick it's brownie week the browns are coming into los angeles Joe Flacco is going to potentially be starting a quarterback, our hometown guy. But first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm good, you know. We can hopefully watch the the Seattle get dismantled tonight on Thursday night. So, awesome. you know, and then there's a shot that we can take take their wild card spot with the win over the Brownies. So things to be looking up at. I mean, so we're tied at six and six with Seattle, because Seattle's six and five right now. Here are the current standings. So we're looking five and six, still on the hunt. Green Bay's in front of us. Seattle's in the seventh seed at six and five. So we're hopeful that we get two losses from both of those squads. Um, but I, I could see us jumping right into the seventh seed uh, with a win in this game. And here are the Rams' playoff hopes. So this is via Sarah Bishop on Twitter. The Rams currently have a 36% chance to make the playoffs per ESPN analytics. Their chances climb all the way up to 45% with a win on Sunday against Cleveland and fall all the way to 20% with a loss. So Nick, an absolute must win game with you in the building on Sunday or what? Definitely a must win. I foresee if I'm being Nick Stradamus here for a second, I foresee the Cowboys beating Seattle and then also the Chiefs beating the Packers. So there's a real, you know, we could be in the picture come week 14, like at the very bottom at the seventh seed. And I also have been saying it all year, uh, how great it would be if the Lions hosted Stafford in Detroit. We're tracking towards that right now. It's the opportunity could present itself to where the Lions are the third seed and the Rams would be the seventh seed and then we'll travel into Detroit or Matthew Stafford would come back into Detroit and try to win a playoff game in the Lions stadium, which would be must-see TV. Absolutely yeah. great, great storylines and tons of media coverage. And that's what we're all hopeful for. That's what we hoped for in the beginning of the season was let's hope that this team could put together a 9-10 win season and sneak into the playoffs. That was our expectation. That was our hope. And it seems like it's finally all coming together in week 13. Finally, the Rams are coming off of their very best performance of the year. So they're five and six. They're playing host to the seven and four Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns are coming off of a loss to the Denver Broncos. So SoFi Stadium is going to be rocking. Nick's going to be in attendance. The Rams are currently three and a half point favorites over the Cleveland Browns. And the over-under sits at 39 and a half. So they're three and zero in their last three matchups against the Cleveland Browns going all the way back. A couple of years, Matthew Stafford has been dominant in each game he's played against the Browns going all the way back to 2009. So both the Rams pre-Stafford are 3-0 and Stafford is 3-0 in the last three Separately. Yeah, Yeah, separately, yeah. So is there a reason to pump the brakes? I feel like we're throwing a lot of good stuff on the table here. A lot of positive uh, accolades in terms of what the Rams were able to do and, and some statistics. We feel like they could potentially win this game. But should we pump the brakes a little bit? You think we're getting too far ahead of ourselves coming no. off of back-to-back wins? 
push the Fast and Furious Nitro button, in my opinion. I mean, I think it's a I think it's a great spot. I mean, I also don't think that they cover four and a half points, the Rams, but I think I think they can win by like exactly three. Um, we're gonna need some some love for our kicker, but you know, the fact that it's at SoFi should mean that, you know, his kicking should be top quality. Yeah, you would think, you would think. So here's what we're looking at in terms of the injury report. So this is, it's going to be swirling over the next couple of days. So you'll see Thursday, you'll see another injury report. You'll see another one on Friday. Um, so I, I think the, obviously the biggest focal points are going to be Miles Garrett, which I thought it was really strange that he showed up on the injury report, not injury related rest, comma shoulder. So is he resting? Is it not injury related? Does he have a bad shoulder? He's coming off of a week where his shoulder actually popped. Um, so he was on the sideline. He only was able to generate one pressure in 42 rushes. So the Denver Broncos had a great game plan against him. He's obviously primarily lined up against the left tackle, but he moves all over the field. You see him crossing up the center. You see him kind of doing everything that he possibly can to be able to find an advantage, which is why he's the favorite to win defensive player of the year. It's why he's the best pass rusher in the NFL. So I, I think that um, if, if you're looking at an injury report, obviously they're missing guys like Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, which is just a massive, massive vacancy. But Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt are picking up some of the slack there. They may potentially be missing Denzel Ward and and Miles Garrett. Um, I mean, if, and then you're looking at some of these other players that showed up on their in injury report. Kareem Hunt, Marquise Goodwin, um, Amari Cooper. Like that's a lot of the bulk of their of their identity, right? I, I can't imagine they're able to put together a game where they could win handily, control the clock, and not commit any mistakes when they have this many key personnel potentially missing the game. And a lot of these guys will will fight through the week and could fight to play on Sunday. But just the fact that they're banged up, I feel like is an advantage for the Rams. It's definitely on paper a tactical advantage, but this is just something from like the gambling Mephisto that I have learned as a gambler. Like sometimes I'll just be like, Oh, uh, like basketball Giannis isn't playing. So the bucks shouldn't win this game. And then everybody else on that team steps up in his place. And that happens time and time again. It happened um, against the Packers, uh, the lions on Thanksgiving, the Packers had no reason being in that game. They were like, down their best running back and down like their best linebacker, I think. Yep. And they go out and they put out their best performance of the year. So there's always an op, you know, whenever somebody goes down, there's a guy that is one his whole life to start on the NFL. So just, <laughs> Good point. you know, I, I know we, we, that, cause that's what we've done in the past on this podcast. It's like, Oh, we're playing against San Francisco. They got no Trent Williams. They got no Debo Samuel. This is a win. Like it's, it's an advantage for us. But in, in week 14 in the NFL, when you're banged up to this level, when you have key personnel that are, are generating what seven, eight, nine, ten pressures in a single week in miles Garrett to just be limited to one pressure and a shoulder injury to then, you know, have him come up against us in Los Angeles. I feel like, is a huge advantage. Um, Definitely. And when you look at the, the Browns' offense, before we go back to the Browns' defense and Miles Garrett, the Nick Chubb injury really hurt this team. I talked about Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt being serviceable. But the assessment, Nick, your assessment early on of this Cleveland Browns team was highly accurate. Like in terms of like what they looked like when they were on paper, they're a really tough squad. Like yeah. I, I think that um, being an 11-12 and 12 win football team was not out of the – 
uh, you know, out of the cards for this team if, if, if Deshaun Watson stayed healthy. But, you know, with Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore in the slot and then Cedric Tillman from Tennessee up, uh, on the opposite side of Cooper and David Njoku, and then they've had success drafting the right tackle in Dewan Jones, who started all year. Their center's a good player. Their defense kicks ass. Like, the, the question mark in the history of the Cleveland Browns has been the quarterback position. And right now you're looking at the biggest question mark that we've seen all season. It seems like it's going to be between DTR and Joe Flacco and PJ Walker isn't even an option. So it would be heavily reliant on DTR status, potentially clearing concussion protocol. But it seems like it's going to be this guy, Joe Flacco, in line to start for the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. He is elite. (laughs) It's a Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback. I mean, that's... I think that the uh, it was a smart move for Cleveland. I think they just won some sound, mistake-free quarterback play, a quarterback that can make all of the throws. You know, there's a fear that DTR and P.J. Walker can't do any of that stuff. So it could be an advantage for the Browns to have a quarterback with this kind of experience I, in the roster. Regardless of how many snaps he's played this year, which is zero, I think <laughs> Joe Flacco is the best quarterback in that building, 100%. Um, I think he – like – it, it's funny when he was on the Jets. I think it was last year. The Jets had like a, um, yeah, the Browns had like a ninety-nine percent like victory. Flacco goes down, scores a touchdown with like thirty seconds left, and then they kick the <laughs> onside kick, and then Flacco scores another touchdown. So like you know he's primed, he's ready, he's the best guy on the bench. He's kind of who I wanted the Rams to pick up after uh, you know, before Brett Rippin. I, sure. I, for some reason I. I just knew it was going to be Wentz because I knew we live in like the worst possible version of the world. But the bones of this Browns team, like you know exactly who they are. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They're they're going to knock you down. And if you add just like a mediocre quarterback to the other side, as opposed to what you saw from the last three weeks, uh, I think they are legitimately right now a Super Bowl contender with Joe Flacco. Call me crazy, but I've been saying it all year. Their defense is that good in a season where Tom Brady wants to say uh, uh, there's a lot of mediocrity, and I kind of agree with them, especially in the quarterback position. So if you just have like a really strong defense and you can keep these games under 40 points where where you're scoring like 20 and the other team scoring 18, that's my alarm to tell me to stop talking about this tape. But – I think, you know, I think they have a really good shot. I think this is a really bad place for them against us because, you know, it's it's in L.A. and this is the first Joe Flacco potential start. But, you know, in, in the foreseeable future, I think they're the best team, not in their division, but they're like the top three AFC team still. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Here's, a, here's me and Joe this past summer. Looks like we just ran into each other, have a share and a drink. This is the kind of quarterback that, can can definitely win you football games. Obviously, I had to drop the pick just to show off that Joe Flacco is uh, Joe Flacco was like Is that Dean from the Rams? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, me and Joe are not friends this week, unfortunately. But if we see each other at the Jersey Shore this upcoming summer, we will make sure to share a drink. But yeah, it's it's one of those kind of players that is a little bit more obviously experienced than DTR. Has has more professional experience than than PJ Walker. PJ Walker is a guy that came from the XFL, and Joe Flacco only has three wins in his last seventeen starts. So yeah, one of those examples was in direct relation to the the Jets, 
and some of the things that he was able to do there. But you know, I, I think that when you look at this team holistically, they're down some of their skill players. If if Amari Cooper can't go, if Elijah Moore can't go, whoever it is, um, it's it's going to cause um, a little bit of an issue for the Browns' offense. But the defense. So we talked about Miles Garrett. We talked about him being the defensive player of the year. He's at plus 160s, tied with Micah Parsons. And it's funny because those are the two edge rushers that have the highest double team rate in the NFL. And the Browns themselves have the highest pressure rate in the NFL, 28.5%. And I talked about how he lines up everywhere. You see clips of him crossing up the center. You see his power and his leverage just to be able to get underneath the blockers and create pressure opportunities for himself and for other players. It's going to be a massive, massive game for Alaric Jackson. Like he is going to be consistently pressured and he's going to have to step up as much as he possibly can with help from Steve Avila, with help in pass pro from Kyron Williams. You're going to have to be able to shade that left side as much as you possibly can to protect Matthew Stafford's blind side and give yourself any kind of advantage in the passing game because this Browns defense doesn't present any advantages in the passing game. So you have to be able to give Matthew Stafford some time and then also be completely balanced, be able to run the rock and be able to throw the ball in certain situations. I, I think the Rams win the game if they can find a way to get the ball out of Stafford's hands in like two, three seconds. Because I think with our younger offensive line, there's a real chance that they just get gobbled up all day. Yeah. I mean, this is this is what you have to do to Miles Garrett, right? This is a, a very, very clear holding call, hands to the face. I also wanted to flag that this might have been the play where Miles Garrett hurt his shoulder or he was playing snaps after he hurt his shoulder. Because a bicep is not supposed to look like that. When it's fully extended, it looks like there's something missing in his shoulder or the pop occurred. So this could be an extreme advantage for the Rams. Obviously, you can't hold Miles Garrett across the face. But if you're able to give him extra help in terms of Alaric Jackson, Steve Avila, Kyron Williams, whoever else you can shade to the left side to protect him, it'll leave Rob Havenstein on the right side with Darius Smith, which will be a very, very difficult matchup. But that's where they have skill. That's where they have key personnel is the edges. Interior defense, their linebackers, their interior defensive tackles are much less effective. So they're very reliant on the pass rush getting home and those guys containing the edges. Kind of the opposite of us, honestly. Yeah, pretty much. Our, yeah, we have way more strength in the, in the interior defense. Yeah. It I mean, is weird. Like, like, obviously last year as well, you know, like it was a down year for Donald and like the defensive player of the year, but like he's not even like mentioned anymore, you know. I think well, it's yeah. it's in direct relation to how well your team is doing. It's how well your team, it's like the MVP award, how well your team plays, and then it's also like heavily reliant on numbers like sacks. When in reality, pressure is maybe a more important statistic. Generally, well, yeah, you're going to include defensive linemen, you know, with the guys that are literally just going in without. Right, really right. It's so much harder to win a defensive yeah. player of the year as an interior defensive lineman versus an edge rusher. It's like right. it's made for an edge rusher, just like the quarterback MVP is made for the quarterback. Right. It's like this is how they they do awards. That's. Um, I mean, yeah. The, the only argument, and I'm just going to go off on a tiny tangent here. The only argument to make where people want to say wins is not a quarterback stat or wins is a quarterback stat. If the MVP is only going to exclusively be a quarterback, the guy that touches the ball every play on offense, you kind of got to include wins in there a little bit. Sorry. You got to include who? Wins in like the terms of like a good oh, yeah, quarterback. No, argument. Understandable. Yeah. 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 I get it. I mean, that can definitely a- be like, I feel like wins is a direct correlation to how well your quarterback is playing. 
right? Because Josh Allen makes a ton of mistakes. That team's 500. Jalen Hurts can make plays on the ground. He makes some mistakes. Their defense picks up for him. Their offensive line picks up for him. And they're nine and one, 10 and one, right? So you think Jalen Hurts is the MVP? He is right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's the favorite. I think he's the favorite. He's of like healthy. I think he's, he's MVP for sure. Yeah. I think he's the favorite right now. So, I mean, unless he's got to go against the Browns' defense and then the Ravens' defense and the 49ers' defense, like these are, are really, really tough defenses. And we get the Browns and the Ravens back to back weeks with great edge rushers. So, the one thing I wanted to flag too is I think the Rams' duo run scheme is going to be a really nice counterpunch especially when they're in short motion. They've been using a lot of that to get leverage at the line of scrimmage. You see with Puka Nakua, you see with Tyler Higbee, and you can imagine that the Browns are going to put eight in the box on obvious Rams run plays to try and force them to be one-dimensional, try to force them to pass the ball and take shots on explosives. He's the only running back, Kyron Williams, to have over 70 carries in a season and not face a stacked box once. And the the Browns are coming off of a game where they allowed 110-plus rushing yards to Javante Williams and Samaje Pirine. Russ only threw for, for 22 times, 22 attempts compared to 39 rushing attempts. That, to me, would be the template, right? You want to kind of condense the pass game. You want to get the easy completions when you can, but you want to be able to establish the run, win at the line of scrimmage, and be able to pound the middle of the field to alleviate some of that pressure on the edge. Yeah, I mean – Coming off of what we saw last week, there's no reason why the Rams should abandon the run at all. Not not against this pass rush. Yeah, this should be you know you should really try with your you know double headed Desidroya or whatever the name of the three headed Godzilla dragon is. Um, <laughs> even though there's only two heads in this one, there's a real. I mean, run the ball is what I'm trying to say. Roundabout way of saying you should absolutely focus on the run. Do it creatively. Put it like you know do a pitch out to the left. Um, maybe even like a little like double pitch. Um, but yeah, I like anything to keep, uh, keep the running game going strong. So I think that that is my key to victory. Do you have Dean's keys? Do you have it? Yeah. We don't have, uh, all three keys broken out, but to me, this would be one. So, uh, we'll, we'll call this the key key of the game when the, the Browns have only allowed 142 passing yards per game. I believe that's the number. They've allowed the least passing yards in front of Dallas and Baltimore, who we're going to see next week and who we have already seen. So two, three of the best defenses against the pass. Um, They've allowed um, the least yards per game in the entire NFL. They're right under 250 and have allowed 320 fewer yards than any other team. So a massive key is be able to convert on third down. So whether that's running, that's passing, because on third down, their conversion percentage is at 27% allowed of the Browns and the Rams are coming off of a week where they converted 50% of their third down attempts. So to me, the defense isn't as, as good against the run. Um, they're, they're a great defense, but they're just not as, as solid as they are against the pass. They're allowing 105 yards on the ground per game. It's good for 12th best. The biggest key to the game is continue to feed Kyron and Royce Freeman because the, the league average is 150 passing yards per game against this defense, which is entirely unheard of in this era of professional football. It doesn't even make sense. It does so, not check out. I mean, it the numbers are ridiculous. You have to be able to win on the ground at the line of scrimmage in this game. And they can. Yeah. I don't know how the Broncos did it. I really don't. I think it had a lot to do with who the uh, Browns were starting. 
Um, but the Broncos going on this absolute tear and pushing through all these like incredible contender teams is not something I had on my big Yeah, they, they tired out the defense, man. They made those edge rushers chase around the running backs. They made Russell Wilson have a couple of design runs to get him around the outside on third downs. Like they, It was a really good 39 runs to 22 passes, and you win the game 29 to 12. To me, like that is a little bit of a template on how to win against this. Also, I think, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, they play old school smash mouth football. That's what they want you to do. They want you to be a new school team to throw the ball around a lot so they can pick you off and they can get to your quarterback quick before you can release the ball and turn it over. And if you run, you know, the old school regimen, which is what we just saw Sean Payton do last week. That's yeah, that's the template. So I, you know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be telling Sean, run the ball. I don't know if he'll be able to hear me from the upteenth bleacher, but. <laughs> so, so this is, um, it's, it's a really good point. And when the Rams run the ball really well, some ridiculous statistics come out because this is a mind blowing stat. JB Long shared the Rams offense uh, EPA last week against Arizona was the highest of the Matthew Stafford era surpassing even the high water marks of 2021 championship season and the 50 burger against Denver last Christmas. So that's expected points. Um, and they, they completely exceeded expectations. So 22.85 expected points allowed or earned last uh, Sunday, which was the, the most since the week two of, of 2020 at Philadelphia. So it was a legitimate ass kicking. And you can't expect to see that week over week. You're, you shouldn't expect to see it against this Cleveland Browns team. But these ridiculous statistics and templates to win really tough football games against an AFC opponent, like that's, that to me is, is what you need to be able to accomplish. It's consistently move the ball on the ground and win at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I, wild. Wild that, that they came from that game against Arizona. It's not shocking that it came against Arizona because we always destroy them. But like that desert, man, I don't know whether there's something in that thin air. The Rams just love it. They certainly do. I think it's time for my favorite time of the week. Next picks. What do you got, Mr. Nick? You got picks for us this week? I do. I do. I have picks. Um, it's week 13, unlucky 13. If you're an Italian, you know that 13 is a lucky number, actually. <laughs> so I think we're going in pretty hot, Dean. Last week, we went two for two. We only gave out two. Uh, or four picks because it was Thanksgiving. So we're we're just hovering right around the Jeff Fisher number. It's like we're two losses or two wins behind two losses. So we need we need a really good week to kind of take us over the top and say that this is a marketable, profitable show this year. Because every other year it has been. This is the first year in week 13 where, but hey, you know, there's still plenty of time. We're just like the Rams, you know, we are surging at the right time. So all I cared about was that you got Rams money line correct last week. So let's try to replicate that again. Right. How about that? Um, so yeah, let's uh let's listen to this new jingle because it's barely even a theme song, and then we'll get going. Oh, we got a new jingle. Oh, all right. Producer, play that funky music. You'll be the pick, and I'll be the gambler. It's a Knicks pick, so baby, just please hit. <laughs> You'll be the pick, and I'll be the gambler. That's awesome. <laughs> Perfect. 
Is it the karaoke version of Taylor Swift? Of course, of course, it's the karaoke version, and we don't, we we do not want to get uh, taken down by Taylor. We love and respect T Swift here. Um, you know, we are so happy that she found love in a hopeless place, Kansas City. Yeah, I didn't didn't seem that hopeless to me, but I'm glad that they found each other. Just you know, you're just one friendship bracelet away, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's yeah, it. That's very true. All right. Now let's let's move on from the Taylor and the and the Travis, even though we love them. Uh, Falcons at Jets. This is probably to stay away for everybody else but me, but I think I'm gonna have to stay on. I woke up today with a vision. That's so Raven style. I looked to the left and the camera zoomed zoomed into my eyeball, and I foresaw Baker's Bucks hosting a playoff game. I see a situation where the Bucks end up on top of this division. And it's going to be the premise of my picks this week. Step one is the Jets creaming the Falcons. Desmond Ritter is starting for the Falcons, and in no universe do I see him dicing up a Jets second, a secondary. Jets are sixth against the pass, so every time Ritter throws, it's going to be trouble. He is a turnover king. I watched so many games. That game where they beat the Bucs, uh, it was the second time they played them, Ritter had two uh, red zone turnovers that ended He's up terrible. being touchbacks. I wanted to pull out my hair. That was the worst. And um, they asked him to run a lot, but that's when he gets the strip sacks. And, and you know, that's what the Jets want. That's their bread and butter. They have been turning the ball over in their opponent's territory because that's sometimes the only way they get in the red zone. I kind of wish we were seeing Zach Wilson in this one. I know he's not supposed to play. I think he should play. Uh, I just like the idea of a Zach Wilson versus Desmond Ritter game to just torture myself with. Either way, give me the Jets plus two and a half. I think they win outright, but let's take the home dog points. 12 to 15, J-E-T-S. Oh, what a horrible game. I'll tell you what, I will not be watching. What's next? Good, good. Uh, Carolina at Tampa. So Tampa is going to be bumping down in southern Florida this week. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life is for me. Uh, a chance to reclaim the division, sort of, with a win over the Panthers. I imagine the Bucks are foaming at the mouth for this one. The Panthers have a formidable defense, credit where credit is due. They rank sixth overall in total defense. But the Bucks are one of the better teams against the run. They sit at ninth, averaging uh, 95.9 yards allowed on the ground. <laughs> but only seven rushing touchdowns allowed. So even if the Panthers can get in the red zone, the Bucs are going to make them throw it, and I just don't see Carolina's rookie being able to compete with Rams legend Baker Mayfield. Five and a half just feels kind of insulting. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a divisional game, but the Bucs have been battling with some of the best of the team uh, teams this season, coming away short most of the time, but I think those punches in the gut are going to help them turn the season around. Give me Bucks minus five and a half with a real chance to steal the division this week. I like 27-19 Bucks on top, and that score will be enough to cash in the over, which is also at 37. I still like the Saints in that division, but that opinion could change by the time we play them in a couple of weeks. So hey, listen, and yeah, the Saints are the Saints are not good. They are not, I mean, they had every opportunity, they had like Four red zone tries last week. Everyone was a turnover. One of them was the worst Derek Carr pick six I may have ever seen. Yeah, um, I believe it. I believe it. You also got an over on this game, I believe. Yeah, over 37. And I know it's a divisional game and overs after, you know, overs in divisional games after week 
10 are always dicey in division, but you know, some of them do hit. And I just think this is a chance where the Bucks are just kind of kind of be rolling early and often. So and then yeah, maybe some probably garbage time touchdown for Carolina that helps uh helps. So you got you know. what three of the four NFC South teams already in your first two picks. Listen, Falcons, Carolina, and Tampa. The division that I would be completely staying away from, you have dove in and said, I'm gonna win some money. This is what happens when you have a that's a Raven vision at like 6 a.m. Um, Dolphins at Commanders. So we're taking a step out of the South. Commanders at home are given nine and a half. Am I insane to think that the Commanders can actually win this game? They're the Jekyll and Hyde team this year. They show up. They can't really ever close. They throw these big fireworks, um, but they can't really like control the fireworks. The Dolphins will be ripe to score. But I just think the commanders are going to score right back. I think if you were to comp a team with the Dolphins in the NFC, like they're com- like who they're most comparable to in the, in the NFC, I think it's the Eagles. And the commanders both time against the Birds, they covered. They made a whole lot of big plays, and it was a close game. Jalen Ramsey absolutely is going to pick off Howell, but I'm sure Howell will throw some tutties in there too. <laughs> Plus nine and a half at home I think is just too much. Um, I really love what they're doing down there in Washington. I think eventually they're going to turn it around probably next year, but I think they do have the quarterback of the future. Um, if you have anyone on either of this team this week in fantasy, I, su- I suggest you play them because I think it's going to be an exceptionally fun one. I think the score is going to be somewhat like 35, 32 dolphins on top, but commanders cover that plus nine and a half yeah. quite easily. Yeah, that, that, I think that that game goes over in terms of total points. That should be a fun one to watch, even though it doesn't run. Really that like, 49 and a half. So it's yeah, going to be, yeah, yeah. that's going to, yeah, that's going to be a high scoring game. And then you got a quick pick for us. Yeah. So Jets plus two and a half, Tampa minus five and a half, over 37 in Bucks Panthers, Commanders plus nine and a half. And then my quick pick going back to the South, give me Lions minus four in the dome against the Saints. So the Bucks have a chance to be like Loki at the end of season two, sitting on the throne. Oh, man, do they need that one badly coming off of a Thanksgiving loss? Oh, yeah. I mean, both teams, really, I think this one's going to be a little scrappier than most people think. But I also think that um, I think the Lions will be able to to cover four. It should be. It should be fine. I might do a little, I te- I might do a little Lions-Rams tease. I like it. I would agree, brother. I think that's a good bet. I think Lions minus four might be your best one on the slate, but we shall see. If you guys are enjoying the content, if you guys are enjoying listening to the podcast, Make sure that you ram it. Like and subscribe. We appreciate you guys always. Let's get another big win. Make it three in a row against Cleveland Browns in SoFi Stadium this weekend. And go Rams. Let's make it three in a row so all the Colin Cowherds and Jeff Eisens can say, getting hot at the right time. Mixed right. <laughs> hey, that's what we all want to see. Peace. Go Rams. <laughs>